Today's American teens are dealing with issues unheard of in the lives of most adults just a generation or two ago. Postmodern thought, subsequent loss of moral absolutes, the proliferation of digital technology and all that goes with that. Well, these are just a few of the contributing factors that many blame on the condition of today's American teenager. And in the wake of it all, more and more residential treatment centers and schools dealing with troubled teens are cropping up all over the country. Many parents are perplexed as to which facilities are legitimate and which are not. Some folks even question the merits of the industry as a whole. Insights into the world of today's troubled teenager and intel on the professional care centers that treat them. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential facility working with teens in crisis and their families. And our host on the program is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal, and uh, Trace, as I just mentioned, Shepherds Hill, of course, is a therapeutic program in a school. And when you're in the business of caring for other people's kids, how do parents vet you? Well, I guess, in fact, how do parents vet any program to determine whether it's right for their child? And and why do you think there's such a dire need for this kind of care in the first place? We always say we're trying to put ourselves out of business, but mm-hmm. we're we're finding no success in that. Well, Rich, all I can do is offer my opinion on why the need, and uh, I, I do want to address that. But I think I think you touched on that in the opening. Um, as far as vetting residential programs is concerned, I think that may be better answered uh, by our guest today. Uh, but the need, I feel, and this is just my opinion, uh, is that our American citizenry has just strayed so far off the rails morally that, that young people and, and even many parents have no solid place to land their feet when it comes to moral authority or what the parent-child relationship should actually look like. And uh, as Scripture alludes to, uh, this is affecting the mental and the spiritual health of everyone, not just our kids. Uh, I, I mean, look at look at who we had running for president. Um, that's more indicative uh, of the moral and mental health of, of the citizenry that voted them in than it is the actual candidates themselves, I believe. Uh, in the opening, you rightly brought up uh, postmodern thought. Well, I've been crying this for, you know, from the housetops for over 30 years about you know, what, I, what I've been seeing happening as a result of our, our cultural revolution of the 1960s. It became obvious to me uh, how that was going to impact the parent-child relationship. But to guys like James Dobson, Francis Schaeffer, uh, before him, they saw this coming f- over 50 years ago. And the bottom line, uh, this chaos and illogic uh, bled over into the mental health field also. It, it, in fact, it, it bled over into every aspect of... America's infrastructure, including education, government, uh, entertainment, advertising, uh, the media, even the church. And, of course, it's, it's darn sure affected our families. Yeah. Uh, just the, the divorce rate alone is enough to, to affect our kids. Uh, but the, the logical progression of a postmodern worldview leads to chaos because it proposes that everyone does what's right in their own eyes, both parents and kids. So from chaos, the logical declension is insanity, destruction, and death. That's just how it goes. And then, you know, that's pretty much what we're seeing today. Uh, I think I heard that the teen suicide rate has just become the second leading cause of death for kids 15 to 19 behind accidental death. Yet even many of these accidental deaths so often stem from drug, alcohol, and other abuses that, that stem from the chaotic worldview that our American citizenry has bought into today. And the, the, so here's the bottom line. I, I think our American culture, 
because of the systemic issues within it today, has created a, a greater need for residential care. Mm-hmm. Uh, because parents alone can't deal with the natural consequences that our, quote, new morality and worldview have, have brought into the equation. Uh, oh, kids think it's fun, and, it, and it's funny when guys like Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and the like, you know, produce movies that glorify sex, drugs, and irresponsibility. The problem is that the real world isn't so forgiving to the natural consequences of living the life of a Category 5 moronic degenerate. But you know, this way of life and the problems that result are now systemic to who we are as a people, ingrained in every aspect of our society, as I just mentioned. The very freedoms that the hippies of the 1960s were seeking, they found. Mission accomplished. But what those same hippies, who who are now our government leaders, educators, mental health professionals, uh, parents and grandparents, never calculated into the equation was the logical outworking of their vain philosophies. Again, the consequences. Yeah. Because every action has a reaction, Rich. And, and, and the, the logical outworking of pursuing the freedom to do what you want with no moral absolutes, rather than pursuing the freedom to do what you ought, which implies a moral absolute, is chaos and addictions of all sorts. So now rather than training a society that loves its neighbor as itself and does unto others what they have done unto them, we've trained a society of narcissists, addicts, and slaves to their own sin nature. And, uh, you know, that's not a society conducive for raising mentally or spiritually healthy kids, which is why the prominent Dr. Robert Leahy, uh, who, who I don't know to be a Christian, has, has said, today's kids are living under the same degree of stress and anxiety as the average psych patient in the 1950s. And look, uh, you know, we were still a flawed and sinful people, uh, even in those good old days, quote, uh, with racism and all that. And I understand that, but we've exchanged one systemic problem for a million more. We've exchanged one kind of bigotry for a million more. We've enslaved people uh, with a different kind of slavery today. Mm. Uh, consequently, every aspect of our society is suffering in one way or another, and it's adversely affecting our kids tremendously. And this is why I feel there's a growing need for programs like uh, Shepherd Till and others. And uh, okay, it's a good show. Thank you very much. Uh, come back next. <laughs> well, so that's Sorry the, for that is the long, the <laughs> longest answer to the short question. Yeah. But it, but you're very passionate about this, oh, obviously, man. and yeah. and. Because I see reason. the transformations. I mean, yeah. I, you know, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't be so passionate. Well, and Shepherd's Hill Academy is not alone in facing these Absolutely challenges. Not. As I said, there are many, many other therapeutic programs around mm-hmm. today. And we wanted to invite someone onto the program who's part of an organization that serves as a national resource for programs and professionals assisting young people that are beleaguered by emotional and behavioral difficulties. That organization is the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs. We often refer to them as NATSAP. And our guest today is Megan Stokes. Megan is the Director of Government Relations and public relations with NATSAP. She has over six years of state legislative experience, ranging from interning in the Maryland General Assembly to monitoring legislation across all 50 states. Uh, She holds a bachelor's degree in political science from Salisbury University, and we've talked about this organization before but never had a representative on, so Mm -hmm. Megan, you get to break all the barriers today, and we're glad to have you with us on Licensed to Parent. Megan, welcome to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me on. And listen, congratulations on your new role as the uh, executive director of uh, the organization that we know as NATSEP. Uh, very good. I think you you are very deserving of that position. Well, thank you. I um, I kind of, you know, as you mentioned in the opening, I come from the, the government relations background, but I also have a personal connection to the NATSEP programs, 
having had family members who've gone through wilderness therapy mm. and therapeutic boarding school, and now they're in college and they're doing wonderful. And awesome. it's one of the things where we had no idea these programs existed until we needed them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very true for a lot of parents. Yeah. And I think it's true for NATSAP. I don't think a lot of parents really know that NATSAP exists. So tell us exactly what NATSAP is and, and why you exist. Sure. So NATSAP is the largest not-for-profit membership association. We're dedicated to residential treatment centers, therapeutic boarding schools, and wilderness therapy programs. Uh, we help run conferences for professional development for our program members. We serve as a resource for parents who are just sort of embarking on this journey. Um, we also help young adults as they look for their own treatment options. We work with state licensures uh, to make sure that our programs are um, having the correct supervision mm-hmm. by the state or national accrediting bodies. So we do a lot of things where we're just sort of trying to be the biggest cheerleaders possible for our mm-hmm. programs while raising the standards in the bar. Yeah, we just uh, saw one another out in Ogden, Utah, not too long ago, and I was very impressed. I was encouraged uh, by all these different programs that met together and, uh, you know, picking each other's brains and and really just helping one another uh, for, for a common goal. I think that, that speaks volumes for the organization. Yeah, that was our first annual leadership summit, and that was, it was invite only, NAPSAP members only, looking at it from an a, um, owner-operator side versus a government relations side, how do we get our information out there, how do we work with research. Um, it was really great. It was about a day and a half, and I think I've, I, it was the first conference I've ever been to where no one was in the hall. Yeah. Everyone was in sessions and really, you know, having great conversations. Uh, and that's, I think that's something really kind of special about NATSAP members. And, and I was curious about this. I know that part of your title has been that you oversee uh, government relations in the government level. Uh, and this is, is vitally important for programs like Shepherd's Hill and other residential programs. A lot of government officials are not either not aware of residential care or are not convinced that it's actually a good thing. Can can you speak to that? Sure. So we also, in addition to being not aware of it, they may have uh, a misinformation about how it's done. Um, so they might think this is this giant institution, and you know, it's it's um, really a lot of our job for government relations wise is educating. Yeah. Um, we try to get. Uh, programs to invite legislators out to their property. Quite a few have in the past, and that's worked out really, really well in terms of saying, hey, we're here, and this is what we do. And it also kind of cuts down on a lot of that not-in-my-backyardism, um, which can kind of pop up when a program wants to set up shop um, somewhere. So we are doing a lot of education, talking about what it means to be a NASA member, as I mentioned earlier, who our members are. We, we have um, the graduates of programs come in as well as family members come in and talk about their experience start to finish with the programs and where they are now and where they would have been without. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this is uh, education. Part of that is the fly-in day we have, which Trace um, and his wife attended back in May this year. and We're having another one uh, next May. And that's when we go to uh, the Capitol for the day. And we go and meet with, um, I want to say, five to six uh, different legislative offices. We have three groups meeting with five to six legislative offices each. 
I think we were meeting at about 16 people. Um, and we tried to meet with the, the actual senators and representatives themselves, but most of the time it's staffers, which is great because that's the person who has the senator's ear. Um, and they, can, they put together little bullet points of who they met with during the day, and that kind of gets us in front of them. In addition to that, we do hand out copies of our We Are NATSAP newsletter, and that's a newsletter where we talk about the really cool things that are going on at the program. Um, it's one of our more lively newsletters uh, because our programs are always doing really neat stuff. Um, you know, anywhere from going to India as uh, like a service trip to doing a month-long Shakespeare in the Park kind of course with their 14-year-olds. And, you know, it's just kind of really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so there's a nice write-up to that. We pass that along with a letter explaining who we are. And what we're doing, uh, we also hand out our research journal. Because as you mentioned, people are thinking, well, this isn't effective. Well, you know, the NASAP Outcomes Research Project, that has been, I think it's been held up, head up by the University of New Hampshire since mm-hmm. the late 90s. And What's that, that show? Uh, this is, yeah, the Outcomes Research Project is great. So, um, in the University of New Hampshire, Professor Mike Gass has been collecting data from programs, um, majority of them are NASAP members, for years and years and years, um, talking about the safety of our programs, the effectiveness. This is uh, following both programs and family members as well. So after, while they're in the program, after they graduate and, and continue on for several months or years, depending on the questionnaire they're using. And then that information is compiled, um, and we put out our Journal of Therapeutic Schools and Programs, that's edited by Dr. Ellen Behrens out in Westminster College in Utah um, and her staff. But it's this really great journal talking about what our programs are doing and how that compares to, say, other types of research being done on adolescents. And, yeah, wow, it's amazing because now we have this hard data. Yes, this is effective. You know, absolutely. Awesome. Um, so it's really great we have a clinical uh, staffer on the hill mm-hmm. <laughs> who wants to know, okay, the antidotes are fine, but where's the data? Sure. Oh, we have it right here. Yeah. That's always good. And keep your, your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Megan Stokes, Director of Government Relations and Public Relations with the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs, a.k.a. NATSAP. You can tap into the resources of NATSAP at its website, natsap.org. Again, N-A-T-S-A-P, natsap.org. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more License to Parent right after this. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media-captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. 
Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. And our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Megan Stokes. Megan is the Director of Government Relations and Public Relations with an organization we have referenced in the past on the program, NATSAP, but we've never actually had them on the program. NATSAP stands for the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs. You'll find them online at natsap.org. And Trace, uh, not too long before the break, we were talking about uh, governmental awareness mm-hmm. of yeah. this, and sometimes the government, or at least government officials, may not be our friends in terms of residential programs. Yeah, I know at Shepherd's Hill we've had some pretty high-ranking government officials enroll their kids here, and, and these folks have, have become some of our greatest cheerleaders. But, you know, not all government officials are convinced that residential care is actually a good thing. Um, Megan, tell us about the Miller Bill. Um, it's actually now considered, it's called the Schiff Bill. Um, George Miller is a rep- representative from California. He has since retired. Adam Schiff is also a representative from California. Um, he's a Democrat, and I'm blanking on his district number right now. But he has sort of taken up the mantle of what we call the Miller Bill. Mm. And the Miller Bill um, aimed at stopping child abuse in residential treatment centers. So it sounds like it's a good thing on the surface. We love that. You know, why we don't want child abuse, you right. know. But when it came down to how it was done, we had some big issues mm-hmm. with that. So when Adam Schiff introduced his bill or announced his intention to introduce this bill, we went to Washington and we talked about who we were, what we did, because there was a lot of misinformation about what we did. And we talked about how we can help, what amendments we would like to see. Currently, the Adam Schiff is a Democrat in a Republican House, and there's been no real movement on this bill. It's going to technically die, um, and then it'll probably be reintroduced again, because that's what Congress does, yeah. <laughs> is just keep reintroducing this bill. Is, is it fair to say, though, that if these changes that NATSAP has recommended are put in place with this pending legislation or with the, the bill that they're trying to introduce, you would be in favor of such legislation? If they were able to make those changes, I don't see that happening, but if they were able to, we yeah. absolutely would bring that back to our members mm-hmm. and see what their opinions. Um, 
it's a pie in the sky wish. You know, we absolutely would like to make sure that there's appropriate standards, but yeah. this federal law is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I understood. How much of this is just somebody wanting to make a name for themselves or getting their name in the paper? Uh, you know, when they come up with stuff like this and. And what if a law like the Miller Bill was passed as is? What possible recourse would parents have if their kids should happen to cross over into that point of no return where they're, you know, they're just so out of control that they're in danger of harming themselves or someone else, like their parents? What, well, I think, I, like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of misinformation. They, you know, there's this idea that parents just go, oh, that's enough, I'm done, and they, they look for a program. No, it's, parents have gone through every local oh, option they have. Yeah. You know, they've talked and probably haven't had their child go through several different schools. Yeah. They might have gone through several different therapists. Yep. You know, you are, you're exhausting no. what they, you have available. Parents tell me, I, I, this is the, the, the thing that I hear most, sending my kid to people I don't know in a state I'm not familiar with is like a death. I mean, this is a funeral uh, for a lot of these parents. But so, so that has to speak to where they're at. Uh, as far as emotional trauma and, and the disruption of the home. And I don't think people who haven't gone through this, parents who haven't gone through this, I don't know if they, they can really Id- identify with the degree of trauma that some of these kids can put their parents uh, through. Yes, and then we talk about what does it mean to have a success in the program. You know, we want the, the child, the adolescent, to be healthy mentally and physically, growing and learning, and when they come back, when they graduate, it doesn't mean they're never going to have an outburst again. Right. But you know what? Now they have the tools so that yeah. they can focus on sure. it. So that what was your normal prior to the program placement, that is so far gone. Yeah. You know, you're back to what should be the norm. Because yeah. you've got a program that helps them grow and held their hand as they work through this process. And they're equipped to handle yeah. the outburst. They're equipped to handle this. You have programs that are extremely safe who... I think that there's a really great statistic out there from the University of New Hampshire where they were compiling wilderness treatment um, safety, and your child is safer in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. In the wilderness there's no gangs in the wilderness. And they are at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Well, Megan, uh, many parents have read horror stories online about what happens at residential programs. How has NATSAP helped to set the record straight in some of this stuff? Sure. So we do a lot uh, when it comes to public relations. Press releases, we, we spotlight our member programs. We do our We Are NatSEP newsletter. We're trying to show people that what you might have heard is not what it actually happened. Right. Um, we highly encourage parents to go on and visit. Yeah. To talk with people who have been there before. We also just recently started up our support network for alumni and parents. And that is something where... Uh, those who have been through the process will help mentor those who are just starting. Sure. Megan, a moment ago, Trace was talking about how difficult it is for parents to send their kids uh, to a residential program that it almost feels like a death. Um, that sort of paints a negative picture. And we've talked about some other challenges and negative uh, sides to residential programs here. Uh, I want to first mention that parents... On the tail end of this, when they've seen their kids come successfully through this, are looking at a rebirth and a renewal. That's the resurrection. That's the resurrection part of it, which is great. But I I think the other big stumbling block, the big hurdle that a lot of families face is even if 
they've gotten past everything else and they've said, yes, I need residential care. How in the world can they afford it? It is very expensive. Is NATSAP able to do anything or working to do anything to help mitigate some of these high costs? Yes, we're, we're, we're trying our best here on our natsap.org website. We have an option under the Four Parents tab called Financial Options. Mm. And we have a list of things. We talk about the medical care deduction. It talks about deductions on your taxes. So alcohol and substance abuse placements, those are tax deductible. Some oh, places for learning disabilities are tax deductible. You know, so there's different things you can do with your taxes. Um, we talk about insurance regarding the federal mental health parity law. Um, and that states that health plans which offer mental health benefits must offer them in parity with medical surgical benefits. Hmm. Um, we talk about working with third-party lenders, applying for grants. Uh, we give a link to different places for grants. And then we have a list of scholarships and foundations um, that our programs have worked with in the past and um, people have found great success with. But we also we recently did a survey on... Um, the scholarship and financial aid that's offered at our programs. And we had 32 responses where they gave us a dollar amount. And from that, it's over $8 million in scholarships and pro bono therapy a year. Megan, we are about out of time, but in the interest of our listeners, I do need to let our listeners know that NATSAP is not specifically a Christian organization, but by and large, the standards by which it considers best practices are certainly in league with common sense, safety, and most biblical principles that we use here at Shepherd's Hill for raising kids and and for supporting mental health. Uh, there are obviously going to be things that, that we personally may not endorse that other programs within NATSEP uh, actually might, and, and vice versa. But by the very same time, we could say that many churches uh, under the umbrella of Christianity uh, also have very differing beliefs and things. I mention all this, though, so that our listeners, when they go to the NATSAP website, will not think that every organization listed there is a Christ-centered organization. But I, I'm, I'm particularly interested in how you feel NATSAP is doing as far as being diverse enough for this broad melting pot of America to, to be able to help kids and families of all kinds of backgrounds. How is that working for you? Because, you know, we're, we're a, a proud member of NATSAP. So I, I would actually love more diversity um, because I think that makes it easier for parents to find the right placement for their child if you've got lots of options. Mm-hmm. Well, Megan, we are out of time. The clock ran out before we did. <laughs> We've got more questions, but we'll have to cover those on another visit, I guess, if you are willing to come back and suffer under the <laughs> Trace Embry retrosal. Uh, <laughs> the duress. Duress, yeah. An inhumane treatment. <laughs> <laughs> We're very grateful. I'd love to come back. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate the work that NATSAP is doing, and uh, thank you so much for taking time to be on Licensed to Parent today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you both. Mm. Our guest once again is Megan Stokes. She's the Director of Government Relations and Public Relations and soon to be the Executive Director of the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs. Once again, you can tap into the resources of NATSAP at its website, natsap.org. Again, that's spelled N-A-T-S-A-P dot O-R-G. And you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and at LicensedToParent.org. We produce a licensed to parent program to help parents like you be more proactive in the parenting choices that you make so that you can head off the need for residential care if at all possible. However, there are still a lot of people who do need the help that we offer at Shepherd's Hill, but they need your help 
to be able to send a child here. Remember, your tax-deductible contribution in any amount can help provide scholarships to needy families and make the difference in a hurting child's life. You can donate securely to the Shepherd's Hill Scholarship Fund by clicking the Donate tab at LicensedToParent.org. Once again, LicensedToParent.org. Our program coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.